that's kind of my whole point of everything I do is to help women understand that yes, it is your right mm-hmm. to be absolutely in love with yourself. And why not? And yes, you can live in your body with gratitude and joy for it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have insecurities. It doesn't mean that you're always going to feel 10 out of 10. It means that you understand who you are and that you are more than your body and that your body is a miracle. And these things are where true confidence lies. Welcome to the Find Your Strong podcast. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay, president of Strong Fitness Magazine, founder of Team Strong Girls, and fitness coach turned fitness publisher. Each week, I'm going to give you a thought or an interview of how to build stronger bodies, stronger minds, and stronger relationships. Getting to where I am now has been nothing short of a journey of the ultimate highs and the deepest of lows. I've had my fair share of setbacks, near bankruptcy, an eating disorder, and multiple miscarriages. You name it, I lost my way time and time again. But through it all, I uncovered my purpose, which gave me the perseverance to find my strong and stay the course. I've spent more than 15 years coaching women, and I know that fitness is a vessel to help you feel strong, confident, and empowered in your body and your life. If you're looking for inspiration and motivation, you've come to the right place. You are not going to want to miss this. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. I am so excited to have you on. We met back in January of this year, and I have to admit, I was a huge fan of you before that, and even a bigger fan of you now. So I'm so excited to chat with you. No, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm going to, I just want to dig deep with you today um, with the, you know, based on your article, you, you've actually been on the cover of our magazine twice now back in 2019. Um, and your issue will be coming out basically in a week, a week or two on shelves, which is super exciting. So with almost 3 million followers on your Instagram, you have become a prominent figure in the fitness industry and a major source of inspiration for so many women but you didn't consciously set out to become a fitness professional. So for the listeners today who may not be familiar with your story, can you explain a little bit about why you started sharing your journey online in the first place? Yeah. Um, I love that question. I think, I feel like I've told my story a million times, right. And the full thing would be hours long, but that question, like, why did I start sharing online in the first place is actually a pretty simple answer. I was in a really tough time in my life, probably my darkest time in my life. I was postpartum with my son struggling pretty deeply, which I'm very open about with postpartum anxiety and some depression. And about eight months into that, I found out I had a massive um, identity loss when I realized that the religion that I um, had wholeheartedly subscribed to my whole life was not what I thought it was to put it, you know, gently and not really go into that. Um, and that's when I really understood and met depression. And I truly began my, what was then, you know, supposed to be a little secret fitness Instagram, um, out of a need to have a place where I could show up as I was and no one cared what religion I was and I could just be myself and I was desperately needing a place where I could connect with women um, and just find like-minded women. And I also wanted to help women who were also struggling with that delicate postpartum phase of life. I felt like I could be that support or that voice that I felt like I didn't really have at that time in my own life. So yeah, that's kind of how it all began. (laughs) That's awesome. There's, there's so much power in that, um, you know, one opening up and then two, like really connecting with women on that level. And would you say that's what most at first, is that what most women connected with you on was the postpartum and and the, the anxiety back then? No one was really posting the fitness world of Instagram. As far as I could tell was like, um, more surface level, which I'm not knocking that it's just what it was, but I came into there, you know, back in 2015 and I was like writing two paragraph long captions about bearing my soul and like just being (laughs) super down to earth because I was like, I felt like I had nothing left to lose. I had lost 
my entire community, every, all of my friends, you know, like I, I was like, I need to just be me that I will lose nothing by just fully putting myself out there. And, um, so I'd like to think so, you know, I'd really like to think that I started growing, um, very organically because women resonated. They read what I wrote and they saw a piece of their own journey within that, or they could relate to that. You know, I think vulnerability brings connection and connection can bring healing. And those are the same principles that like, that's why I still share as openly as I do, you know? I love it. I love reading. I love reading your your posts and your lives because you are so truly authentic Thank um, you. and vulnerable. And it's it is easy to connect with with you because you're open. Um and not everything's perfect as we know. No. <laughs> Especially being a mom and balancing a lot. Um, in your cover story for September, October, 2023, which is going to be out soon, uh, you talk about how much you've changed, uh, since you first appeared on the cover of strong in January, 2019. Um, so how would you say that you've changed over the last, I guess, four to five years? Yeah. It's wild that it's been that long. It's, And I've got to say, like, I I said this on set, but I don't think you were there when we were talking about this. So I wanted to tell you personally, and I guess for whoever's listening, Mm -hmm. like a very sincere thank you, because this, I'm proud, you know, I do my best for all the media opportunities I have, but being back on this strong shoot and being being able to have the opportunity to shoot another cover in the same studio with the same team for the same publication that I was in, you know, four or five years ago, it gave me such a unique opportunity to, it gave me a unique lens to look back and see my growth through. And it really allowed me to start to like feel, I got like a little bit emotional on set because I was standing there confident. And I was standing there having so much fun and I was standing there empowered and feeling proud of myself and to know that. And then to remember that I didn't feel that way the first time I was grateful for the opportunity. I was trying my best. You know, I was, I I wanted to have fun, but I was so insecure. I was worried. I was, you know, um, a little bit uncomfortable in my skin probably a lot more uncomfortable in my skin than people realized I was in my head. I, I felt like remembering that first experience and living that second experience showed me that I have grown more than I even realized. And here's the biggest caveat to that. My body, this most recent shoot was not as lean, not as strong, not as fit, not as fast as my body in 2019. I just had a massive ankle reconstruction surgery. I've been doing far less the last couple of years. My priorities have shifted. My growth and my journey have led me away from prioritizing being my absolute leanest and strongest and fittest because I want to be my healthiest. And that is the growth itself. Realizing even as a fitness professional, physical fitness trainer, I've always had the same messaging that fitness is for caring for your health. And health is mental, emotional, spiritual, as well as physical. But on my own personal journey, I think I allowed myself to be a little bit of an exception to that rule because I felt like I need to be held to a higher standard. And I worried in 2019 when I was really in my career and working so hard to launch myself and establish myself in the industry, I felt like people are only going to listen to me if I look a certain way. And I became a bit obsessive. And I didn't do anything extreme, but I realized that distorted body image was sneaking back in, distorted eating was sneaking back in because I was losing control of my life by trying to control so perfectly how I trained, how hard I trained, never missing a training session, counting every macro I put into my mouth. And that became unhealthy. And of course, hindsight's 2020, right? But this is, I'm just the interview. These are all kind of the bigger, scary words that people don't like to talk about, but like, this is what I'm talking about in that interview in that magazine. I'm so proud that the night before our shoot in January, I went to this 
little Italian restaurant in Toronto I've been dying to try and I ate whatever I wanted and I didn't restrict and I didn't overindulge. I just, I had pasta, I had bread, I had dessert, I had fun with my assistant and my friend that was on set with me. And I woke up that morning and I didn't like look at myself in the mirror and size myself up like, oh, my cover ready. I just went to the cover and I rocked it and I felt great in my skin because I love my body and I'm healthy and I'm strong. And that is the point. And so it was a big difference. And yeah, I mean, I could go into any detail of that, but thank you really for giving me that opportunity to look back so um, sharply, I guess. Thank you for sharing that because I feel like when people see you and, you know, you are like, as we said, you are very authentic. You share, you share a lot. Um, but like looking at you, even back then you would think that, oh my God, this girl has all the confidence in the world. Like she's on top of the world and you being open and sharing that that's actually not how you really felt despite the way you looked and carried yourself is, is huge. Thank you. And the thing is, it's like, you know, I look back and I wonder, was I having some sort of double standard? And I don't think I was, right? Like I would post about believing in yourself and I would tell women to be confident. I needed to hear that just as much as anyone else. And I'm always very clear. The things that I share are 10 out of 10 times things that I need to hear. And I know therefore that other women are going to need to hear that as well. But when I speak on something, I'm either in it or I've gone through it or any other part of that circle, right? Healing and growth, they're not linear. They can be cyclical and also they're just up and down, right? Like I, you come around something. And I think this is something that the pandemic kind of showed us. So many women when 2020 spring hit, were filling my inbox with grief and guilt and shame because they were like, I'm facing these things that I thought I had overcome. And they felt like failures because of that. And I was doing the same thing. So many old triggers were coming back around. I'm like, why am I dealing with this again? You know, I already went through this, but here's the deal. Just because you're struggling with something that you've already struggled with in no way means that you are failing, that you have regressed, that your progress doesn't count, that you're going backwards. That's not it. I believe that we will face many of the same struggles and challenges and triggers in our lives. But every time you face them, if you choose to face them and not ignore them, you are coming at it from a different angle and you are learning that lesson on a deeper level. You are stronger than you were the last time. And so be proud. You know, there is no point where a woman should shame herself. I'm so huge on this, but Looking back then, like, yes, in 2019, I wanted to be confident. You know, I had that kind of fake it till you make it. I was proud of my body, but it was almost like I was in that phase where I needed to every day do those affirmations and be like, I am powerful. I am strong. Like I can be confident and kind of, I was trying to teach myself those things and to be there in January, 2023. And I was those things. I wasn't having to play that track in my mind and remind myself. I just felt it. And I think that's a really beautiful journey. I do too. And I don't know if you would agree with me, but there has been some shifts in the industry. Like even, you know, when we look back three, four, five, 10 years ago, even on the magazine, like we were going for that almost like sick shredded look. (laughs) And now there's been a shift. I feel like women, I mean, there's a long way to go but I feel like women are more embracing their bodies and it takes women like yourself and other prominent figures in the, in the industry to really speak up and start talking about it. Cause even with, if you know, some of the girls that I coach, I'm like, you don't have to come into a shoot that lean, like enjoy your life. Like, like that is all part of it. Like fitness is supposed to be healthy <laughs> by body, mind and spirit. You know, it, yes. it's not healthy that being so consumed with yeah. it. And it's a delicate balance, right? Because um, things like discipline is are, I mean, so important. That's so important in every aspect of life. But I think you will understand, and many of the listeners might understand that when it's 2023, right? And we can no longer afford to let our efforts in exercise or eating be a detriment to our mental, emotional, or spiritual well-being. Therefore, do not self-sacrifice your mental health in the name of discipline over Mm -hmm. everything. 
don't throw out discipline. That's a beautiful tool to learn and lean on. Teach yourself that, but prioritize discipline more in the way that you speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. Be disciplined in not allowing negative self-talk. Be the most disciplined in practicing gratitude for your physical body and respecting it because those things precede loving it and celebrating it. For a lot of women, myself included at times in my life, hearing things like, you know, love yourself or like I'm exercising out of gratitude and celebration for my body. It's like, it's almost painful to hear at worst. And it's annoying at best because I'm like, but that's not my reality. And you can't just flip a switch and do that. Right. But you can work to do that. And that can be real. And that's kind of my whole point of everything I do is to help women understand that. Yes, it is your right Uh to be absolutely in love with yourself. And why not? And yes, you can live in your body with gratitude and joy for it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have insecurities. It doesn't mean that you're always going to feel 10 out of 10. It means that you understand who you are and that you are more than your body and that your body is a miracle. And these things are where true confidence lies. And I know that you would say the same thing, but I have met women of all shapes and sizes who are so respectful of themselves and in their power and feel good in their skin and in their clothes and in their swimsuits. And I have met women of all shapes and sizes, including some of the most shredded, whatever most people might think perfect bodies who are suffering, beating themselves up, never happy, never feeling enough because it truly is mental emotional, spiritual, the inner stuff is what is going to exude at the end of the day. And so people are like, well, why then do most, you know, or perceptibly lots of people who go to the gym and have these habits and are getting fit, they seem to gain more confidence. It's so easy to say, oh, it's because they look different now. That's not it. It's because confidence is built through gaining self-trust. And what's happening when you are dedicated to going to the gym and to eating well, you are doing what you say you're going to do a million little times. You are teaching yourself discipline and consistency. You are showing to yourself, hey, I love you. I respect you. You're worth it. Even if you don't know, by doing these little things over and over to take care of yourself, prioritizing yourself and your health gives you confidence. Now, the caveat comes when you do those things from a negative place. Mm. When the scale started to tip for me, it was like, cause that was my journey at first. Right. And then I got into my career and the scale, I didn't even know it happened. It kind of snuck up on me, but the scale started to tip when mm, those positive things that had always uh, manifested in beautiful confidence for me started to become out of an effort, not to, um, take care of myself or just exercise for my health. But it was like, I need to be the most shredded trainer because I need respect. And I thought that the industry in the world would value my opinion or listen to my message more if I looked a certain way. And that's true. But me prioritizing that because of that truth was unhealthy. And so that's where it slipped. So this is like a bit, I hope that this is making sense, but I'm just trying to say it's the motive. It's the motive for your movement that is going to be the most essential, most poignant piece of whether or not your habits that you are putting your discipline into are going to be truly healthy for you. I love that. I love that so much. And and you always talk about um, your mission to redefine fitness. And is that what this is about? Like, I know what it means, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because it's like, I feel like fitness has been packaged and sold for decades. Um, just telling women to shrink themselves, to be less, to weigh less. Um, to, I mean, even still, I mean, it's just, it's all so prevalent. Thin supremacy is just coming back with a rage right now. It's just, we are inundated with diet culture bullshit telling us that however our body is, isn't right. And making up insecurities, like the texture of our thighs to then monetize those insecurities and become a multi-billion dollar industry. And it's wrong you know, and it's just not, it's sad because 
movement is inherent to life. Our bodies are made to be moved. Mm-hmm. Humanity throughout all of time, like it's incredible that we have these bodies and we aren't meant to live sedentary lives. But it's really tough for women because when you're taught and you're grown up in a culture and a world that's telling you that moving your body is attached to purely physical aesthetics or do this to look like her or do this to be this ideal it feels like you are that is a negative place right so I feel like something within us is like a little bit ick you know it's like well okay so either I do these things to be healthy yeah by scorning however I am or my body or I don't do them but then I'm unhealthy because I'm not moving my body and it's almost like you feel like it's this catch 22, like a lose-lose situation. And I'm here to say like, no, we need to redefine fitness in society as a culture, the world at large. But that will only happen if enough women on an individual level decide for themselves that they're going to, and they can't decide they're going to, unless they understand that it's possible. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what I'm trying to do. We, we call them in, in um, our community non-scale victories. And that's what we talk about, <laughs> you know, like, how are you feeling? Like, how do you feel after a workout or how are you sleeping? Like all these things are so important and they are often overlooked because so yeah. assumed about the physical. And that's right? the thing, like physical goals can be fun and they can be yeah. motivating. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to also scorn women for wanting to lose body fat or for wanting to have visible abs or whatever. I think you just have to be aware. It's all about your awareness and again, your motive. So it's like, as long as you're going about those aesthetic goals in healthy ways, in sustainable methods, not doing anything extreme or unhealthy. And as long as you have a base reason underneath that, mm-hmm. that is about on the base level, I respect myself. I'm caring for my health. And the exact way to do that is exactly what you just said. Focus on all the things that you can't see in the mirror. You're going to be sleeping better. You're going to have more energy. The post-workout endorphins, it's literally a miracle. Like that post-workout high is so real. You can give that to yourself anytime you want. And it's so good for you. Right. And just again, the discipline and the confidence that comes through doing the little follow-throughs. Those are just a few of the non-scale victories that are immediate right? Let alone the beautiful transitions that women face and the progress and the growth and the healing that comes when they look back after a couple months of doing this from the right place. Right. So you, what, what would be some of your non-negotiables at this stage of life? Ooh, in, in what sense, like non-negotiables for my fitness journey? Yeah, I would say yeah, your fitness your fitness journey like just your your routine in the day. Meditation. Mm-hmm. That's something that came a little bit later in my journey. Um I certainly wasn't That's hard. I'm tr- I'm still trying. <laughs> you know what? It is hard. It's hard because it, you feel like it's just another thing to add to your to-do list and you just mm-hmm. don't have any time. And when you do have time, you're going to seek for doing the thing that is going to give you a more tangible result, right? Um, I've been there. I lived in that space and I don't meditate every single day for the most part I do, but I'm not trying to come at this from some pedestal either. Again, like this is my own experience, but I finally committed in the same way that I committed finally to exercising Mm -hmm. an effort to help myself heal and a need to, to meditate seven minutes every single day, seven minutes, silent, self-guided meditation, no tracks, no music, just And it's not obviously always silent. I'm a mom. Like there's going to always be noise happening, but just to be quiet within and with myself. And no matter what thoughts are running through my mind, don't look at my phone. Don't try to problem solve. Just be with my eyes closed, be in myself, in my head. And that's hard. And when you sit to do that, if you've never done it, it's staggering how hard it is. But that awareness alone of why is that so hard? And so uncomfortable, borderline painful to be alone in my own head. That scared the shit out of me. And I decided I am going to do this until it's no longer painful. Mm. And so quickly it became so beautiful. Um, I've seen tangible results from meditating. I would say even more than from physical fitness. My mind 
is a miracle that I used to be scared of. Mm-hmm. And meditation has shown me that I don't need to fear any part of myself. It has helped me work through the shame that so many of my diet culture soaked up limiting beliefs had planted in me. It has been my safe little space to work through whatever emotions um, are being triggered from that day or from my childhood or whatever comes up, right? It's like, it's just a reminder, you know, it's a reminder to me that I'm more and um, that every part of me is okay. Every thought is valid, um, even the bad ones, and they don't control me. I'm not my thoughts, you know, they come and go. I don't. So it's like, it's been a very, very, very pivotal tool in my health journey, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, the whole, the whole gamut. So I would recommend meditation. Now, if I have time to either exercise or meditate, I will pick meditation because I, I need it. I do. Um, another seven seven minutes or do you do wrong? Yeah. So now I go 20. I go 20 minutes. Uh huh. And I do, I like to do it in the afternoon, either right when I wake up, well, not right, you know, feed the dog, um, say hi to the boys, you know, send Ryan off to work usually. And then my first thing that I do is usually meditate. And then again, in the afternoon, some days, if I, um, am feeling like I really need it, or if I miss my morning one, I'll make sure to do the afternoon one. And if I don't have a full 20 minutes, I'll do five, you know, like I'll do whatever I have, but I, I have, naturally kind of found that 20 minutes is, um, a really good range. And then I also, it's a whole other topic, but I got into studying. Um, I've, I've done some like meditation teacher courses and things that I've studied and a lot of people recommend 20 minutes. So, and there's so many different ways, you know, like you don't, you don't have to do, um, silent self-guided. You can begin with guided meditations. Those are a beautiful way to start, right? There's meditations geared towards healing or, um, just renewal. I mean, anything, you name it. So there's so many tools, find what works for you, but that's my number one non-negotiable for sure. And then my other, um, non-negotiable, I would say I have two more that I want to hit is quality time with my husband and my son. I didn't used to think of it like a non-negotiable because that's what mattered to me most, right? Like that's, the base of my life and who I am and the whole point of everything. So it it felt a little bit weird to be like, well, my non-negotiable is to have quality time. It seemed, I don't know, like almost silly or like I shouldn't have to do that because of course they matter the most. Right. But the thing is when I actually decided I'm going to make sure that I get quality time with each of them every day, I realized how much I wasn't Mm -mm. because I could be with my son I could be working and he could be reading or, you know, we could be outside and I could be sipping coffee and he could be playing. But like now, even though he's getting older and we're very busy now, every day I get on his level and I look into his eyes and we either do something, an activity together. But if there's not an hour for quality time, I make sure we have a conversation Uh and we connect and damn, like, I wish I've done that his whole life and I've tried to, right. But now that it's forefront of my thoughts and my literal to-do list, I prioritize that over anything else. Because if I say that they are what matters the most, how could I not align my time to show that, right? Like be intentional and and be present. Yeah. The effort, the effort. And you realize like, you know, as a mom Mm -hmm. and with, with my husband, it's like, quality over quantity with so much in life, but especially with those that we love, like I might not get, I have to spend certain hours of the day working. I don't get to spend eight hours a day of quality time with my son, but I have seen, and I feel, and I know, and my husband does as well. Like we might not get to do these elaborate dates all the time, but like we will connect, we will hold hands in the car and listen to a meaningful song or have a conversation or like we steal the moments that we can and we make them matter instead of just looking at our phones or, or not talking. Right. It's like the quality of the moments that you have with those that you love matters so much more than the quantity of the time you're spending with them. And you feel that. I not agree more. Yeah. Hey, 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 my dear listeners, are you ready to take your fitness journey to the next level? 
Well, hold on to your dumbbells because I've got an exciting offer for you. This episode is proudly brought to you by Strong Fitness Magazine, your ultimate resource for all things fitness, health, and wellness. So whether you're a seasoned gym goer or just starting on your fitness path, Strong Fitness Magazine has got you covered with expert advice, inspiring stories, and the latest trends in the world of fitness. And here's the best part. You can now enjoy 10% off your subscription at shop.strongfitnessmag.com. Just use the special discount code podcast in all capitals at checkout. That's right. 10% off to help you save as you gear up for your fitness journey. Thank you so much for our sponsor, Strong Fitness Magazine. You're not just getting fit, you're getting strong. Now back to the podcast. You focus so much on um, fitness now, like on the function, but Mm -hmm. you are still, well, you are undeniably stunning. So I know the listeners would want to know kind of like your, I know you just shared your non-negotiables, but what would be your like everyday habits to keep still looking yeah, the way okay. you do, you know, like, like we have a lot of women, it's vanity too. Like, they're oh, like, I like wow. Um, and I, oh, I just say I had three and my third one is movement. So okay. I do make sure that I move my body every day, even if it's just 15 minutes. Like I have created now a power express program and all the sessions are 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So there's really, um, you can fit that in, you know, like 20 minutes in your day, you can choose to fit that in. And you can also choose not to. I'm I'm big on owning your excuses. I don't say you can't ever make an excuse. I'm saying if you're deciding to yeah. not work out, don't say I didn't have time. Yeah. Say you didn't, you prioritize something else today. And that's okay mm-hmm. as long as you're owning it and you're aware of that, right? But movement for me is so important. Even on my rest days, I do some stretching. I'll go for a walk in nature or I'll do gentle movement. Like I really very rarely have a day where I don't move my body because again, I believe that is so just necessary, um, for a healthy mind and life and body. So movement for sure. And then to answer like daily habits at this point, you know, I've had, if you look at my like journey as a whole, I think it's really important to talk about this. Um, and this is not me not answering the question. This is me answering as honestly as I can. Right. You look at me in 2014, I had my son in March. And my body composition has shifted a lot since then. Right. And so I'm aware that I got, you know, 500,000 followers in three weeks time when one of my transformation photos went viral. Like I understand that people want to know they want that, or they see that and it inspires them or they're curious or how did I do that? You know, what they need to understand is that that's not overnight. So I would say that my first visible physical body composition shift where people started to take notice took about a year. And in that year, I began exercising regularly for the first time in my adult life, 24 years old. I had tried a million times to exercise, but it was always out of punishment because I ate what I thought was too much to shrink myself a little bit more. You name it. This time in that postpartum phase, I was desperate to help my body heal. So I started out of an effort to heal instead of out of hate for myself. And that's a powerful differentiator. And I established a regular habit of exercise through discipline and consistency and choosing to do it even when I didn't want to. And the first month it was just walking, walking for 45 minutes every day, pushing my son in a stroller, bundling us up to go outside. And then it became little on top of the walks a couple of times a week, I would do little body weight workouts with my mom's borrowed yoga mat in the tiny space in our one bedroom basement apartment that I could fit. And I would do it whenever Anderson went down for his first nap. So instead of dishes, laundry, putting myself together, whenever he fell asleep, get out the yoga mat and I would do a little workout and I would get in as much as I could. So there were months of that. Right. And then about, I'd say eight months in, I joined a gym. And because I wanted to, I was getting a little bit stronger and I wanted to have more space and proper time. So that meant I had to wake up at five and go to the gym before my husband had to leave for work and school so he could be with the baby. And so I chose an exercise discipline in that way. And three to four times a week, I got up at 5am and I had to be home by 6am and I drove to the local gym and I did 
you know, a little bit of strength training workouts. I was using dumbbells and things. And during this time I was realizing, um, learning what I enjoyed, first of all, more was weights, not body weight stuff, but also I started to grow very curious behind like the science, like what's happening. I could see my body changing in the mirror by now. I felt amazing. And I was like, I had no knowledge of science or um, anatomy or physiology or kinesiology. And I wanted to understand why and how my body composition was shifting. So I started to study. Um, I became a PT really out of like, it was my hobby. It was my fun thing. It was my outlet. It wasn't to change careers. Right. And after that, I'd say after my first like year is when I shared my first, you know, before and after photo on my fitness page. I started that fitness page a year into my journey. And like I said before, that was out of the space to desperately want to connect with other women and have a safe space. And I found that. And it was amazing how many women resonated. But I, from day one, have been saying, like, if you want your body composition to shift, that's great. I get it. I did too. But you won't get there through hating yourself. Mm. Never hate your way into self-love or confidence. You can't. And it's not going to take six weeks. It's going to take months and years. And I look at that first photo and now my body composition has shifted so much more. I have built, I have a lot more muscle than I did. You know, even in 2019, we talked about how lean I was at that point in my career. And now five years later, it's like, how did I maintain my physique? And the cool thing, you know, from like an exercise science point of view is the more muscle mass you have on your body, the higher your total daily energy expenditure. So the more calories your body is burning at rest. Right. So it's like, at this point, my maintenance calories I can eat a lot more than I could have in 2019, certainly in 2015. And still my body composition is not going to fluctuate very much because, um, I have a higher TDEE. And so my maintenance calories are a lot higher than they were, if that makes sense. And that happened through building muscle and I built muscle very slow and steady. I didn't ever, I've never used creatine even, which is a beautiful, safe supplement. And maybe I'll try it. I don't know, but like I've never done any like rigorous, um, you know, extreme things back when I was starting my career, macro counting became extreme for me. It didn't seem extreme, but I realized it became extreme. And then I had to kind of pull back for my mental health. And so I've had chapters since in the last five years of, I'm now a certified fitness nutrition specialist. Like I have a really good knowledge of fitness and nutrition. I understand what's I'm putting in my body. So all this to say, like sharing my daily habits, Um, I would just tell you, like, I eat a high protein diet. I eat a ton of fruit. I love fruit. I try to get vegetables in don't as much as I should, but I try and I try to eat minimally processed things unless I want a donut and I'll eat a donut or I want fries. I'll eat fries. And it's like, people get frustrated when they hear my daily habits because it's like, well, no, because I'm trying to be honest and say, maybe someone listening does exactly what I do, which is like pretty relaxed at this point. Yes, And it yeah. might not yield the same physical or aesthetic results as me because I've had almost a decade yes. now yes. of building yes. muscle, of prioritizing yes. my health, of moving my body, of eating adequate protein. And so now my daily habits are pretty gentle. And yes, I am disciplined and consistent with them. I, I lift, I use my own power program and I lift three to five, usually more like three or four, but three to five solid weight training, hypertrophy based weight training sessions every week. I do low intensity cardio. So biking, walking, um, almost daily. I, it started because after I had my ankle surgery, I had to bike every day and I still will jump on the bike. And I'm not, I'm not like doing a bike class. Like this is gentle, right? So it's like, I do my strength training three to five sessions a week. I do low intensity cardio 30 to 60 minutes, almost every single day. That's my habits right now. I eat high protein diet. Um, I'm eating around, I think my average is probably about 2,600 calories a day, just based off of, I know that on the weekend, sometimes I'll eat 3,500 calories a day. And in the week, sometimes it might be 1,800. Like I know this because of my experience and my knowledge and my, you know, so it's like, I wanted to share those daily habits, but I also didn't want people to get frustrated when they're like, whatever, that's bullshit. You have to consider the 10 years prior. And so the daily habits that I would say, and I do recommend as a professional trainer, if you are seeking a physical body composition shift and you want to do that in a healthy way, I would say, make sure you are moving your body. 
pick up some weights, you know, building muscles are friend. It's your friend. It's so there's so much longevity in proper strength training. It helps adjust posture alignment. It helps to mitigate or alleviate, you know, posterior chain issues, making sure you have a strong knees, back, neck, like throughout your life as we age. So it's like weight training is so good for women. So important. Incorporate that. Make sure you're using a program. It should be mine. I mean, <laughs> but really a program that is written by a certified fitness trainer based in exercise science. Cause so many women, they just go and they'll Google chest and tricep exercises and then kill themselves for an hour. Or not like, even like a whole body exercise oh, every single day. Right. Like, yeah. And it's just, that's not as safe or as productive as doing a program that has deload weeks built in and is training your body evenly and all of those things. So weight train, that's one tip I'd say, eat adequate protein. Most women are so protein deficient. They don't know that. Um, it's said a million times, but I would, I recommend you hear like one gram per pound of body weight or 0.8 grams. I recommend women start with making sure a hundred grams of protein a day. Yeah. Yeah. Because most women are well below that and they don't even know. And before you can eat more than that, like, like that's a really good starting place. Right. And I would say, especially for anyone who has a history of disordered eating, don't count your macros, just track your protein. And you can do that pretty loosely, you know, so eat adequate protein, move your body with strength training programs, um, and do and incorporate cardio regularly. I think those three things, Oh, of course, sleep, which That's for a big one, little, it's just not possible. I'm sorry. I love you. Hang in there. It won't always be this way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But sleep is the most underestimated fat loss tool that people just don't buy. They don't buy it. Right. But it's so real. So sleep and then proper hydration and those things, it's really the fundamentals, the basics. And that is how I did it. And that is how I maintain my physique and I can allow any fluctuations that come, um, with confidence and joy. And I, and it's like, I'm good. And there might be a phase, you know, where I'm like, you know what, I want to get really, I want to go back and lift heavier than I ever did pre-surgery. Yeah. Or I might say, you know what, I want to run a mile in six minutes again, or like I might make one of those goals, or I might have a time where I become leaner again, but I will never again sacrifice my health Mm. or my wellness in any sense to do those goals. And that is the best spot to be in. I love it. I love all those tips. I could not agree more. I say them often as well. I know a lot of our listeners today want to know what do you do for your skin? Because your skin is always like glowing and you have a skin healing journey actually. (laughs) 30. I, so I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've had, I was just blessed with great, great skin my whole life. Like in adolescence, I never had acne. Um, I think I, I was grateful, but I think I took that for granted because when I turned 30, I don't know what happened. It was also the same time where, um, my husband, and I decided to stop trying for baby number two and I put another IUD in mm. whatever happened. I, had, I experienced like real acne for the first time in my life at 30 years old. And I'm about to turn 34. Um, and it was so humbling and it like shook me a little bit, you know, and I just realized like, wow, this is, I mean, I had a healthy diet. I'm properly hydrated. I ate whatever, you know, all those things. And I'm like, why is this happening? And, and it shook my confidence. And there was a time where I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't like post or I wouldn't even go on my stories unless I had a filter on or I had like a Mm -hmm. face full of makeup because I was just, I was so used to having clear skin and I didn't and it, and I struggled. And so anyway, um, it was probably a year where I struggled and it just got worse, not better. And I was looking into taking like some medications or, and things, but I just, I'm not saying that that's bad to do, but I just don't want to, unless I really felt like I didn't have other options. Mm -hmm. And I called my good friend who's like a, um, she's a nurse practitioner and she has an injection practice and she has amazing skin. I said, girl, do you have anyone like any, I had tried, I'd wasted so much money on the most expensive skincare lines. And I'd done, I'd gone to an esthetician and got facials and microdermabrasion, all these things. And it was just not helping. And I called my friend and she was like, yeah, you need to try this, this girl. And so I text her and I was like, Hey, can you help 
like, I'm going to come in. And then she saw my skin. And I was like, you need to be honest with me. Like in your you know, career, do you think you can help me? And she's like, I'm 90% sure, but you have to do exactly what I say. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> okay. I to get rid of all my makeup and skincare products that were comedogenic. And she gave me like a list of, um, like ratings of like ingredients that are in everything and how comedogenic they are. And I had to throw away, like, even all my fancy stuff that was supposed to help my skin was causing my skin to be worse. So I threw out everything. I used her products and I just began a very, very gentle, like cleanse, moisturize. And I think a benzoyl peroxide, like, and that was it. And I did like six months of this really simple, really pure. Um, I only wore like makeup that I knew was safe. And I only wore makeup when I had to shoot or I had to do a film. So it's like, I spent another year just kind of healing and my skin did begin to heal. And so in the last like year, I'd say it kind of took a year and a half for my skin to clear back up. But in the last year, my skin, I feel like it's better than it ever was in my twenties. And I'm just so grateful. And I think this is going to sound cheesy, but I also, along with um, simplifying and doing these things with this lady, I realized I can't allow this to affect me mentally as it does. Mm. Um, It's just not fair to be hard on yourself or something like that. And so I turned my skincare practices into a mindfulness ritual. And I started to look forward to washing my face morning and night and doing my little lotion or whatever. And it's like, I would say like, I love my skin. I'm thankful for my skin. And I just would not think about anything else. And I would just, I felt like I was adorning myself or just caring for myself with love. And I feel like there is power behind that. And so I think that with simplifying and making sure that I was using clean products, um, I still get breakouts every now and then, but my skin is really better than ever. So yeah, I don't know. And I'm not sure. I mean, this is, again, I'm just being as deeply honest as I can, but um, the, that's kind of my skin story, if you will. So now less it's like- more. Less is more. Yeah, right? it is. And now I don't use foundation. I, since my skin cleared back up, I'm like, I'm not going to risk it. I mean, I will only put foundation on if it is like, uh, I have to like a really big full day shoot or something, but even my normal content that I film, I do a tinted moisturizer and it's like SPF 30 and that's my new foundation. And I feel like my skin is just so thankful. So yeah, that's great. It looks great. And you mentioned that you're having a birthday soon. I believe your birthday is in September. Yeah. It's September 1st, which is oh. the day that the magazine hits shelves. Oh, happy birthday. That's the, that's the best gift ever. Happy I know. birthday. Well, I can't wait. I'm going to go buy it. I'm oh. so excited. Yay. So celebrating your birthday, what do you see for yourself in your 30s? You know, I want to be present. Mm. Present in my life. I just, it goes so fast and we don't know, you know, all the cliche things are so true. We don't, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Um, and I, the older I get, the more you realize that time is such a gift. And the more you look back and think, damn, why was I so hard on my body? Why was I so hard on myself? Why was I, um, how many memories did I sacrifice in the name of being, I don't know, whatever it was. Right. And I think I'm, I'm over it. I want to do the least. Yes. I work hard. Like I work my ass off and yes, like I'm disciplined. I take care of my body and stuff, but in those things, I'm over the panic of it. I'm over the obsession of any of it. And I'm over the stressing of the things out of my control. Mm. I want to relax into each day. And when I'm working, work at a more mentally easy place. Right. Mm -hmm. And just be in the task that I'm doing and enjoy that. And, you know, like just being present, I think has really been, I think I said the same thing on my last birthday, but I think this was the best year of my life because I was living it more. So I want to keep being more present. So funny. I had a conversation with my husband about this, like a couple of days ago. That's what we want. Like moving forward, we want our life to just be happy and enjoy work and not be anxiety filled over the things that we can't control. That's, that's really what's important. I mean, I think as moms, we also face the fact that life moves really fast when we see our kids grow so quickly before our eyes. 
it shakes you. It's yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for taking your time and sitting down with me today. I absolutely love you. I love you even more now after this Girl, conversation. You too. I want to wrap up. Oh, I want to wrap up and just ask you what the word strong means to you. I love this. I I remember them asking me this on set. I don't remember what I said, but <laughs> now I'm just going to answer this as presently as I can. I think strong is me. I think it's innate within every woman. And I think strong is authenticity. Strong is you. You know, it's like if you, if I could get you to stop trying to be confident, stop trying to be brave, stop trying to be disciplined, stop trying to be strong and just remember you are strong. Mm. You are brave. You are confident. You are fierce. You are powerful. If strong isn't woman, then I don't know what is. Mm. I love that. I'm going to (laughs) cry. It's true. It is true. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kelsey. This has been a true honor and uh, I can't wait to continue to follow your journey through this epic life. And I wish you nothing but the best. You too. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap on another episode. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I just love being able to share these strong stories and thoughts with you. And I hope you were able to take away a piece of inspiration from today. If there's one favor I could ask, please keep sharing, post a screenshot, share a direct link with a friend or post a review and help spread the word so more people can tune in and find their strong. And if you ever wanted to subscribe to our Strong Fitness Magazine and get the physical copy mailed to your doorstep for more inspiration and motivation, I will include the link in the show notes and please feel free to use my Strong Girl 3 discount code to save. Guys, I cannot wait for the next show. I'm Jennifer Van Barnabelle Pay. Take care and stay strong.